keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Catalyst with Terry Ostroviak. In the next hour, Terry and his guests discuss how to accelerate your business success and turn possibility into certainty. So turn up your speakers and hold on. Here's your host of the Quantum Leap Catalyst, Terry Ostroviak. Hi, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you wherever you are in the world right now. This is Terry Ostroviak speaking to you, not from San Diego, not from Tel Aviv, but this time from Tucson in Arizona. <laughs> First time that I've been here, I'm just doing a conference down here at the moment, and um, we have a, uh, an unusual <laughs> topic for today. Unusual, because, not because it's uh, in itself it's unusual, but because I wonder if anybody's ever thought about uh, talking about a subject like this. The, the topic is called Starting a Business from Scratch. And uh, those of you that are in business, I don't know, you've done it already. Those of you that have often thought about starting a business, probably wonder what really is involved. And so our speaker today, our guest, knows quite a bit about it. His name is Dave Larson. He's the Chief Operating Officer of the Small Business Company. They're also my sponsors. And he's very well schooled in this area. He developed and applied his unique marketing, vital marketing, he calls it, initiatives to a variety of different clients over the years. He's been an entrepreneur, which which um, spans uh, experience in startups, high-tech, low-tech, subsidiaries, and small companies. He's a published author, sought after for his expertise in sales, distribution, marketing, and promotion. But he needs to help small and home-based business owners drive his business passion today. And what we're going to talk about on the show, essentially, is um, we, in fact, are going to ask some questions. How do we start a new business? What is involved? What is expected of me? How much money do I need to get started? How will I survive financially in the first few months? What if I don't make it? These are some of the questions we'll be talking about. So let's welcome our guest this morning, this afternoon, or this evening, depending where you are, Dave Larson. Good morning, Dave. Hey, Terry. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. How are you doing? Well, I'm starting the morning from scratch. (laughs) (laughs) That's a business. Just like your business. (laughs) All right, let's start talking a little bit about it. I mean, you know, some people get... Pretty blase. They've been in businesses for many years. They've actually worked in business, and it might it might look as though it's just uh, what Americans call a shoe in to start a business. But it isn't really as easy as all that, is it, Dave? No. In fact, uh, I spent a long time. Um, I, I almost started from the other end of things. I went to work for somebody briefly in my early career, and then started had a chance after ten years learning a business. I worked for a publishing, a printing publishing company, started my own business. And that, I, I helped start a small business for them, and then I learned, basically learned every, all the ropes from there, and then I started my own. But it, that didn't even really prepare me for everything, all the different hats I had to wear. And, and that worked out for you? Yes, it worked out just fine. Uh, and that was just one of the first businesses I started. Then I went into corporate America and work for small startups and larger corporations and divisions, and then I had a chance, again, to start my own business. And once you've done it once, you uh, it, it really does, you at least know what to look for. Yes. Uh, when you're starting from the very first time, we, we found out that uh, there are just seven major building blocks that you need uh, before you should ever, ever start a business. 
I mean, one, one, you have to have your a product and service that is needed. You have to have a market a market size, a large number of potential customers you know you can reach. Third, you have to you know you have to have some kind of sustainable, noticeable competitive advantage over all the other people that companies that are out there. You have to fourth, you have, for advertising promotion, you have to have a cost effective way to reach and attract customers. Financing wise, you have to have money to start and operate your business and know that if you have any slow months, you know you'll be able to backfill that somehow or have a rich uncle that wants to invest. Uh, space and location wise, rental or lease property or something, if you have a storefront, what kind of storefront that's going to be. And then time. It's going to take a tremendous amount of time and if you have other things that are grabbing into that time, taking bites out of it, uh, family obligations, uh, hobbies, things like that, you, you need to be able to balance and juggle those. So those are the four major building blocks, aside from passion and, and, all, and, all, the other, um, and all the other energy it's going to take to sustain it. It's like a very demanding mistress, isn't it? You know what? Yes, it, yes, it is demanding, and it, and it forces you to look at all these different areas uh, and all these different uh, levels of expertise that you may not have. I mean, my background had been sales and marketing, and all of a sudden I found myself running a pre-press business where I'm negotiating with vendors, I'm, I'm doing books. I mean, it's just, you're, you're wearing so many different hats when you start out, and hopefully as you grow, you're able to bring in some expertise or offload it to outsource it to someone else so that they can pick up the ball in those areas and you can go focus on a bigger picture. You know, I remember many years ago when I started my first business, the man that I bought it from, I worked with him for quite a few years and uh, I learned a great deal from him and he he had tremendous expertise in the area of finance and stuff like that. And he could sell well and uh, he obviously understood the the machinations of uh, what was involved in running a business. But I, I'll never forget, um, the day after I bought the business and the deal went through, he came to me and he said, boy, do I feel different today. He said, I am so relieved <laughs> that I sold it to you. He said, I feel as if there's this huge weight that just poured off my back. Wait a minute, that's the same and thing. I said, you to him, well, I feel that. He said, it's been such a stressful experience. So my question to you is, is running your own business for everybody? No, no, it isn't because there really is a mental makeup uh, <laughs> that you need that you need to have. It, yeah. um, it, it, your previous business owner you bought from sounds like people that own yachts that I know of. <laughs> you, know, I, you, you take it out sailing yeah. once every weekend, then it drops to once a month, and then yeah. all of a sudden the bills just keep piling up, the maintenance, and, and after a while the fun has gone out of it, and the, the happiest day I've heard. Yacht owners say it's boat owners say the happiest day is when I bought it and the happiest day is when I sold it. <laughs> and in between was a pain. That's probably not far off from how many people feel about a business that right. struggles. <laughs> and it just takes up so much of them and, and just disallows them. The business right. to survive disallows them from a lot of their personal life and just yeah. drains them because you're thinking about it yeah. 24 hours a day. So, you know, this, this sort of uh, mania that we've got for being independent and being in control of our own lives, uh, stuff like that, um, is interesting, isn't it, that uh, people would love to, 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 to sort of feel as if they had a business and it was working for them and money was coming in. Well, but it's, the, it's the perfect, in, in, a, in the U.S., it's the American dream. Yes. I mean, you look at a lot of people that have come over and, and immigrated to this country, 
they've been able to, you know, they they baked bread at some in a, in a country they came from. Now they're able to come out, out over here and they work at a bakery yeah. for a short while, and then they decide, you know, I'm going to go out on my own and, and bake my ethnic breads and market it, and they, and you know, before you know it, there's 18 family members that are working at the, one of the top bakeries in, in, a, in a small little ethnic neighborhood that's just yeah. doing fantastic, and that's. There's no reason why you can't start a business. And one of the better building blocks, aside from those seven I mentioned, just, boy, be passionate about something. Just know an industry so well. Uh, because you can always fall back on those, uh, the, your core beliefs. You know the customer. You know the industry. Uh, and that will never leave you. And you're able to always, always uh, ground yourself back in that in, in any decision you make going forward. Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, there there are definitely skill sets that are required for specific skill sets are required for running a business, and so you're you're right. But uh, uh, people need to really, I, I suppose, have to be tuned into what is expected of them. And so maybe today that's one of the things that we should spend a lot of time talking about. What is expected of us when we run a, when we when we start a business, and uh, in, how do we keep it simply? Simply, the one word is everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything and everyone. <laughs> we have so many people uh, in this country that are now the, the baby boomer generation that have either been squeezed out of their management or middle management job, taken early retirement, any number of things, or they're in a position where they put in their 25 years at a single company, which is pretty rare, 25, 30 years. And now they're turning around saying, you know, what should I do? Geez, maybe I'll start a business. I heard about this eBay or... Geez, I got a I got a friend who runs a, a, a golf shop and is looking for a partner. And any I like to golf, so all of a sudden um, you find yourself in a completely different situation that is where you have to get involved in the legal aspects of the business, something you may have never had to play with before. Uh, all the financial, all the risks, all the you know, America is so lawsuit happy. People can see you for everything. I, did, I didn't like the sandwich. Your sandwich you fixed me yesterday made me sick. I'm suing you. <laughs> All of a sudden, you have litigation. Um, so how, you have to, how about, you have to be prepared. How about just the stress of, of, of handling complaints? <laughs> um, customer complaints? Yes. Interestingly enough, customer complaints, they are extremely stressful. Yes. But they are the best source of what, uh, how to improve your business. Yes. If, you really, if you really take a look at what somebody is saying there's something broken with your company there's something broken even if um, as uh, it's hard not to just play off the vehement energy coming at you at the time uh, but if you really listen to what's, what a customer is saying they, there's something legitimate hiding in there that shows you that there's something broken in your yes, business I agree with you what I, was, what I was thinking about is when we own a business and we hear the complaint, it's different from being in somebody else's business and hearing the complaint. Because even if you do get the complaints, uh, you know, about how bad the business is, I mean, you can still go home at 5 o'clock and say, well, you know, somebody's miserable with this business. But when you're the owner, it's like somebody criticized your wife or your child. <laughs> they, they told you you knew you were ugly. Yeah, right. You take it home with you after that. That's, that's right. That's exactly how it feels. Uh, <laughs> the... Um, but the companies that actually look and actually put together a, a small little process to be able to take in customer complaints and do something with them, it allows you to really right. look at them differently. And if we go into a break right now, so after the break, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go into the details about it. So stay
stay with us, folks, and listen for the process that Dave's going to outline for us. See you in a while. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak. I'm in Tucson, Arizona at the moment, and this is where we're running the show from. My guest is Dave Larson, Chief Executive, Chief Operating Officer, I'm sorry, of the small business company. I just promoted you, Dave. <laughs> he developed and applied vital marketing initiatives in, for clients in many different businesses. He's been very successful as an entrepreneur. He's been in high-tech, low-tech, subsidiaries, small companies, worked in big companies. He's a published author, sought after for his expertise in sales distribution, marketing, and promotion. But he says that his need is to help small and home-based business owners drive his business passion and we're asking a lot of questions today on how do you start a business from scratch? How do we start the business? What's involved? What is expected? How much money do I need? How will I survive? Dave, let's go through some kind of checklist that tells us what questions we should be asking ourselves before we go into this marriage with a business. I think the first thing is, am I crazy? <laughs> Maybe the first question. Because this has just grown by one. <laughs> I know. Uh, it, so demanding yeah. uh, that you you need to be able to say to yourself, unless you have substantial funding that can back you right away to jump in, so you can hire additional staff. Most small businesses, uh, you're going to jump into it. You're going to start. You, you, it's a one-man show to begin with. Uh, you do have really three different options when you're starting. Uh, if you start your own business from scratch, you have a product idea. You have license or rights to a product or idea or service, uh, that's obviously a lot bigger project because you're doing everything for the first time. Uh, you can buy a franchise. It's very popular here in the U.S. Um, and you can jump into a franchise. There's a lot of deals that you can read in magazines, anything from owning your own vending machine franchise, which basically means you run around with quarters and candy bars and work out of your home. Or you can buy an existing business that's out there um, that is already operating, and then your job more than anything else is the due diligence to find out uh, why this person's getting out of business, how you can pick up that business and keep it running right. at a certain level without any hiccups. And that probably talks a little bit more to uh, the goodwill that the owner or the manager of that business had with their clients and how much of that they take away with them. So many times we know uh, we met people that had bought into a business and the previous owner didn't take the customers with them. The customers just didn't bother going with the new owner. They found somewhere else because that is the reason why they went to that business and you have to reestablish that. So you think you're going to get a, sustain that kind of sales in the first couple months and feel pretty good buying doing $5,000 a month or $20,000 a month or whatever the number is and you're going to sustain it, all of a sudden it drops in half, and you're at $10,000 a month. What are you going to do? So, uh, and then there's always skeletons in the closet of a lot of small businesses. You know, we talked about how one of the happiest days you have is when you when you buy a yacht, and the happiest day is when you sell it. Same thing with small business owners. The happiest day is when you buy a business, and the happiest day sometimes can be is when you sell it because it's just so demanding. If you... Uh, take a hobby of yours. We've discussed this during the break. Yes. Uh, you take a hobby and turn that into a business, all of a sudden that hobby is just not quite as fun anymore. So it's uh, being able to, um, if you're going to buy an existing business, the due diligence you need to really understand 
how that business operates. And one of the best ways of doing that, if you have the time, is to go in there and work in that business as a part of your agreement. Don't just uh, don't just write a check or get the financing together and go take over the business. Go work there for a while. You're going to find out everything about their customers. Uh, that's before you sign on the dotted line as a part of your due diligence work there. Um, buying a franchise. Really? Yeah, buying a franchise, the same type of thing. Uh, talk to a lot of previous franchise owners. Go visit with some of them. So you know like what it's like to be a franchisee. Um, take a look at how the franchisor sets up their, distri- uh, their distribution. If they allow anyone in a physical territory to sell whatever they want, and you're going to be running into your competition, maybe other franchise owners of the same product or service. Uh, it's just it's ma- making sure that you do the due diligence no matter what. And then starting your own business, how you form your corporation, how you actually structure structure yourself legally and protect yourself. Um, I know so we're going to be talking. That's an question because some people feel they can do those things on their own, but they probably need help, don't they? You, you're going to need help. Uh, the, in the books that we've, uh, Stu and I have written, Stu Shredder and I have written, uh, we actually kind of point them in the direction. Uh, what's so nice is that, as surprising as it sounds, a lot of this you can do online. There's there's websites like LegalZoom that can provide you with all the all the structure that you need to form an, a corporation, an S corp, an LLC, or a C corp. Then uh, they can provide you actually with legal expertise if you need help with things like that. But the basic formation of a corporation isn't that difficult these days. With everything that's available, you can actually go online and within a half a day, you can feel fairly confident about which, direct, which direction you should go. And the, the way they, uh, you can buy into the, um, the services that are available in whichever state you're going to incorporate. Uh, they send you full kits of information with CDs with all the forms and everything for all your minutes and everything else that your company may require. So, um, as daunting, all the information is available, and you can, you can as long yep. as you know, as long as you do research and pick it up, and if you have the time to do that, and uh, oftentimes you know, that that is one of the things you're uh, you're juggling against too. It, it hits you in so many areas. Your startup, we talked uh, briefly about budgeting. Well, you have to budget in two different areas. One is your startup expenses, right, and just establishing everything. And the other is your ongoing monthly expenses and trying to marry that with your forecast or projections for sales because that will be your lifeblood. If you can't, you know, if you can't find enough coming into the pot to fill it up for all the water that's going out, uh, you're going to be upside down real quick. Yeah, so people have to, to plan. They really can't just go into a business just with passion and think that it'll just flow and do the things we want because we've got the right attitude and... Uh, some higher power is going to look after me. Well, one of the first things we suggest We've got to people do it ourselves. Yeah. Well, one of the first things we suggest people do is put together uh, an executive summary, small business plan, two to three pages. Yes. But you describe what your business is. You talk about what your mission is. Identify the unfulfilled and your unfulfilled need your business will provide to your target customers. What your vision is in your second year exactly what your product or service does, describe the market, the demographics of your market. Maybe they're, they're uh, homeowners that live within a five-mile radius, whatever it is, your competition and why you're, why you're going to uh, be better than them. Marketing-wise, how you're going to attract those customers, 
your financial projections. You've got to be able to piece something together. Something about the management team. You. Funding how you're going to spouse. My spouse. My errands. Well, that's, it's great when you have a family like that. There is no such thing as child labor laws. <laughs> you just, you just, oh, you're, you're just, this is your home away from home, kids. <laughs> um, this is your new hobby. <laughs> uh, how you're going to fund the business. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons you're a, a small plan like this is really helpful is if you ever do, is a part of your plan, if you're going to self-fund it, that's one thing. If you're going to bring in some financing opportunity from the outside, that's another. I, I just worked recently with somebody who has been in the plumbing industry for almost 50 years. Right. Invented a new product. Uh, started, helped him start this business from scratch. Now, he runs a business already. But being a manufacturer that is marketing your own product, he has a service-based business. It's about as different as can be. It's uh, very much like a fish out of water. It's been a been one heck of a learning experience for him. Uh, it's just so different because you're responsible for finding and manufacture, finding and manufacture someone can actually um, produce your product unless you're going to do it yourself. And he had to go. He doesn't have the the equ- manufacturing equipment for this. It's injection molding plastics. Yeah. Uh, and uh, trying to build this business up from scratch and then trying to wean himself from his current business because that's still taking up a lot of time so he can devote himself to this new one. Uh, and you would think somebody in business for 50 years would be a piece of cake, but it's a different kind of business. You know, even people that do run their own businesses can listen to what we're saying today and say, as the climate of my business changes, because all businesses grow uh, in different directions all the time, like, I think anybody in small business or even in larger businesses could take another look at what their business is doing right now and go through the, a similar kind of process. Taking a snapshot of where you are yes. so you know you can reground yourself. I mean, just the simple the simple business plan. What's my vision? Where do I see my company in two to five years? Right. Uh, I know people in the um, that edit films. They this sounds like an odd analogy, but right above their their screen, the computer screen when they're editing their film, they put what the essence of the story is right above the screen. And as they make decisions, as they're cutting their film and trying to piece together their story, they look back up there. And if what they're doing doesn't support that, then their their story, their film, is not going in the right direction. Well, the same thing with your vision for your company. You put together this m- message that in two years I'm going to be here, five years I'm going to be here. That message should drive all your decision-making. I mean, in other words, we ask the question of ourselves, what should I be doing at this moment which will help me to achieve that objective goal result? And if I'm not not going to do that, stop doing it. Do it in your own time. Correct. Yes, yes. The the perfect example, too, is um, when the friend of mine who is 50 years in the plumbing industry has a product that he's he's, uh, invented, for the same industry, so he has a perfect empathy for his customers, and, the, and that's how he came up with the product idea. He was so frustrating, frustrated with installing toilets the way he had done forever, uh, and it took a half an hour to do it right, to block all this wood underneath the toilet and do it right. So I'm going into break okay. again, Okay. and uh, Good. we'll complete that uh, story just after the break. 
and we'll go through once again what are those steps that we need to be in tune with to make it work for us to start a new business. Stay with us, folks. We'll talk to you in a moment again. See you soon. Bye. Hi, everybody. This is Perry Ostroviak. Back with you again. We're talking this week from Tucson and Arizona, not from San Diego like normal. And my guest, Dave Larson, is the Chief Operating Officer of the Small Business Company. He's been in business for many, many years, startups, large businesses, small businesses, and works a lot on, on vital marketing initiatives. That's what he calls it. But his real uh, focus and his passion is to help small business owners drive their business passion in small businesses. And so we're talking about what are some of the demands of people starting businesses and maintaining those businesses. And he's been going through various steps that people should uh, put attention to and make sure that they're in tune with before starting a business. Or even if they have started, maybe these are the things they need to be looking at. Dave, what are some of the what, what are some of the things that people need to be conscious, patiently conscious of? One, uh, just two major points, I think, that people, uh, your listeners, can can center themselves on because it drives so much of everything else. Knowing what your noticeable competitive advantage is over similar com- companies in your, I'll call it your territory, because it may be your territory may be very large and may be very very small, not right. local. So that you have a noticeable competitive advantage. It, it's like uh, I'm opening up a donut shop in a strip mall next to another donut shop, donut shop, and a bagel shop. Uh, you'd better do something different with your donuts, <laughs> or or you've just so saturated a market you aren't going to do anything. Knowing that you what your noticeable competitive advantage is, recognizing that because that drives you to position your company, physically position it in a in a, wherever your storefront is going to be, as well as how to market it, position it differently. And, I, I'm, and that's probably the thing that will drive so many more of your decisions when you're, when you're uh, getting into business, small business for the first time. And the second point is really knowing uh, and realizing and finding that cost-effective way to reach and attract your target customers. Those two coupled together, uh, you know, especially if you know what your competitive advantage is, you're able then to tuck that into your advertising and promotion. If you know that you make the world's largest pizza, if that's important to people, uh, then, boy, there's, there's, uh, there's a guess what your marketing message is going to be. No one, no one feeds the hungry masses with pizza better than we do with our gigantor pizzas, right. whatever that is. Uh, the world's largest pizza. Anytime you can make a claim like that, <laughs> you, you tend to attract attention, or it tastes just like you know pizza from northern Italy. Whatever it is that uh, yeah. that it is that sets you apart, you know, sets you apart competitively. Now you put in your advertising, in your promotion, but you also have discovered the cost-effective way to attract your target customers, your new customers. Those two pieces coupled together are probably um, probably will push in, you know, push your business forward faster than anything else. You know, I, I, I remember when I first came into the United States and I was talking to a man who had a business here and um, originally, of course, I came from South Africa and the, the, the competitiveness of the United States is, is, is markedly different to anywhere else in the world, I think. Uh, you know, from the, from the traveling that I've been doing. I mean, when you talk about competition over here and you talk about competition in other countries around the world, and many people 
people are listening from around the world, um, they have no idea. I'll tell you now, until you live in the United States, you don't know what competition is until you come into the United States. <laughs> because, they, because, because the culture lends itself to that kind of thing. And there's a, there's a danger, I think, that people starting businesses don't take that into, into, into consideration. They don't realize that, uh, that United States businesses, people are spending a great deal of time saying, how can I outdo the competition? Whereas in other countries, they're just saying, how can I be doing the very best I can here and not worry too much about the competition? And so what I discovered in the United States differently to other countries in, in starting businesses is that uh, people have a long lead time. They do their research in advance. They have to do that. If they don't do that, they haven't got a snowball's hope in a heat wave of su survival. Uh, they have to do research. They have to know what the market is doing. And those demographics, that information is readily available if you, you know, get onto the internet and, and find out what, what is needed, what is, what is required, what is, this, what, is, what is available in my marketplace and who is in that marketplace already and how are they doing. And so we have to be far more educated about starting the business than maybe in other countries. In other countries, people say, well, I, just, I have this passion. I'm going to just start the business and see what happens. And they'll get away with it many times, but you can't get away with it here. It's this capitalist society here that people just... Um, there are 11,000 legal entities formed every day in America. Say it again. It's so strong, that figure. There are 11,000 new businesses formed every day in America. Yeah. This has nothing to do with home-based businesses. Yes. These, are, these, are, these are people that are forming corporations. Uh, sadly, there are 11,000 businesses that are going out of business every day, just about, in America. Really? It, it is 11,000 are failing? Almost, almost exactly. Really? It is like lemmings. It is like they just fall themselves over the cliff, but the next year there's someone else taking their place. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, it's, uh, well, one of the major reasons is most people never went to school, were trained, or taught how to run a small business. Yes. And it's, uh, they are an expert at something, my background in marketing. I've had to learn all these other aspects of business myself, um, but I was I was trained classically in marketing. Uh, completely different role I have right now as a COO of a company. I can still use my marketing expertise, but it's but I'm required to do so many different tasks these days. Um, that that's one of the biggest challenges. Most most people that get into business are really good at something operationally. I was. I was making pizza in a pizza restaurant, and now I own my own little pizza shop. Uh, completely different as I'm sitting in the back with so so few responsibilities outside of making the best pizza around. Now all of a sudden I've got to hire people. I have to do advertising. People are coming to my front door. I have a phone service. You know, I have to print up logos and things on boxes. You know, things I never had to deal with before when I was just tossing pizza. Now all of a sudden I as a person that owns a small pizza restaurant. So those are the kinds of things that are tasked upon a uh, small business owner. In, in the U.S., uh, businesses fail, new businesses fail at a rate of, within five years, 80% of all new businesses are out of business. Which I just said it again. If you, start a, if you start a new business in the United States, within five years, yes. 80% of those businesses will be out of business. What percentage? 
Well, close, 80, 80, 80%. 80, 80% within five yeah. years will not be there anymore. That's right. 20% will be there. Only 20%. And only 5% total of the ones that started 10 years prior will be left. Right. So after 10 years, only 5% remain. And the major reason is? It, the lack of understanding and the preparation of what it takes to run a small business. Okay. No, they were not educated. They were not trained. They, like I said, great. They were experts in a certain area. They were the, the, the consummate operations officer of a company. They were incredible at marketing. They were great at, they were the, I was the truck driver that now bought it, bought into a trucking company. Yes. Oh my God, it's just like, it, it's, it's two different businesses altogether. They're, the demands are completely different. One, you just had to be on time with your load of, Dave, in the United States, is there a requirement that people should be educated in the business, in business before they go into it? Do you have to prove to somebody that you can do that, or can you just register and start? Uh, in the United States, you just start. There is no requirement. When I lived in the Netherlands, and I was there for 12 years, I remember a young man one time telling me how frustrated he was because he, you know, he, he didn't know what to do. And I said, why do you start your own business? He said, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not qualified. I said, what do you mean you're not qualified? He said, uh, I have to register and show that I am that, that I know something about running a shop and 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 how to run this business. I that means one of the best things they could do here in the United States. Yeah, like a chamber of commerce would would uh, would be licensed to license people in in going through some basic training to make sure that people know what they're doing. What a good idea! Because there, and that's one of the reasons why. Uh, Stu and I wrote these books uh, is to allow the very first thing we ask people to take an inventory yes. of themselves. See if they're actually... What are the, Tell us about your books, Dave. What are well, the subjects? We've actually written uh, four books, plus we wrote another one for, in, a, in a separate market, in the real estate market for women. Yes. Uh, Dare to Start Your Small Business right. helps actually guide people from the beginning which you take a personal inventory, not just how much cash you have, but experience and drive and expertise in different areas because right. it starts teasing you to try to think of all the things you're going to have to do in right. this business and either look outside of yourself or learn. Um, you know, that's really to, to help people get grounded as to what I have yeah. to do and those seven basic pieces you need to build, build upon. Then it, we take, take people through all the, all the different steps and one of the first ones is, you know, creating creating a plan, a simple little plan. You need to be able to answer those so questions. So this is like a handbook, a manual of how to start a business. It yes, yes. And, and it's called Dare to Start Your Own Business. Dare to Start Your Small Business, yeah. Right. And it'll be in some stories within about the next month or so. We've written one for people that are start, want to start a home-based business, more like a hobby. They want to, or they want to start that. We need to talk about that in a moment. We'll sure. have a break. Now, and you, you say there are five books altogether. I'd love you yes. to after the break to tell us what the the five books are, and we'll go into the last part of our show in a few moments. So stay with us, everybody. Okay. Back in a while. Come back. Hi, everybody. This is Terry Ostroviak. I'm in Tucson, Arizona today, and this is where we're speaking from. My guest is Dave Larson, Chief Operating Officer of the Small Business Company, and he is focused on a need to help small and home-based business owners drive their business passion and be successful. We talk about how to start a business from scratch, and Dave's been outlining some of the things that we need to be doing in order to survive and in order to make sure.
sure that it really does reach the goals we set. Dave's written a couple of books, in fact, five books with his partner, Stu Schreiber, and um, I just asked him to tell us what those books are about. Go through them again, please. Sure. Uh, the first book that we um, uh, the we have four four books in the in in this the general business market. Yeah. One of them is uh, Dare to Start Your Small Business, uh, and that really helps guide somebody from soup to nuts in in asking them the right questions and probing them using our we have a four step process right. that usually allows um, people to tackle an area and be able to knock that out within an hour or so. Um, we wrote a separate book called Dare to Start Your Home-Based Business because completely different level of um, of commitment. Usually people are doing this part-time on empty nested, something along those lines. Your your cost to uh, jump into a business like this is much, much different than if you're going to be jumping into having a storefront where you're doing some kind of retail or a restaurant or something like that. Uh, we've written another book called Dare to Succeed in Your Small Business. You're already in business. Your business is uh, thriving or maybe it's just hit a plateau. Uh, I need to go focus on a specific area of my business and go implement or do something, analyze it, decide I'm going to do something about it, analyze my current situation, put together a plan of action, and then go back and measure it on occasion. Right. And so it That's allows... Kind of reinventing our business... Yes, and what we've done is instead of looking at the whole business, we know that the time constraints on business, small business people are so demanding that they need to be able to go in and focus on a specific area, go put something new in place, and then just go work and then come back and measure it. And that's really what our system, how our system works. And that's it. So that's Dare to Succeed in Your Small Business. That's a, a separate book. And then Dare to Succeed in Your Small Business Marketing. It's our fourth book. Uh, that one is specifically about how to get more customers, how to drive all the different ways to do it. Again, it allows you to jump into one area and go focus on it. Uh, as an example, we coined a phrase called name tailing. Uh, about 30, 40 years ago, I think it was Serge Plenty, came out with the first jeans, had their logo on it. And Levi's had put, been putting their little tag on their stuff forever. But all of a sudden it became chic to run around wearing a designer's name emblazoned on your clothes. And my God, it was advertising for them, yeah. too. It was just... It was and one the of customer the, ends up paying more for it. <laughs> <laughs> customer pays brand. for it. Well, it's the same reason when you go to a restaurant that's maybe your favorite, or you've been on holiday at a hotel, and all of a sudden the hotel has these cool t-shirts or a hat right. that has embroidery on it. A lot of small businesses don't realize that they have a cool or unique service or product that uh, one of the ways to get free, I'll call it free advertising, is to invest a little bit in that, see how it takes off, and then uh, um, you, have, you have basically walking billboards going around everywhere. Uh, we call that name tailing. You know, you retail yeah. your name uh, and, you, and you get other people to advertise for you. So especially if it's a good design, it's kind of cool, something fun to wear, people will admire that and they may like your shirt or your hat or whatever it is and uh, love the logo and you go to this place, oh yeah, the best pizza in town What's and all the of a sudden... the final book there? Pardon? The final book? Was that uh, the in the final book we, we uh, co-wrote with a, with a woman called Dare to Succeed as a woman in real estate. In the United States, there's uh, close to 2 million women real estate agents, 
you talk about people chumming in the same waters for the same amount of business. It's really how to, uh, this is written from a woman's perspective, how to uh, be in tune with your intuition and use that in your ability to succeed in real estate because there are so many real estate agents out there. How do you get new listings? How do you sell a home faster? So you've got this whole inventory of knowledge-based books that are available from the small business company. We're just publishing them right now. We'll now have books with CDs that go along with them. So if somebody wants to pop them in their computer at home and have all the electronic forms and all the extra links and things that they would need, they can buy, purchase those as well. So and what does the small business company do over and above uh, providing this resource? Well, that is what we do. And we do consult businesses here there. So, And we are starting up uh, one other area of our business that we're starting up as a part of the books is also a coaching business mm-hmm. where small business people are so by themselves they really do need, and you know a lot about that, Terry. You know, you, you do coaching professionally. Um, but small business people need a sounding board, and it's usually not their dog. You know, it's the only person that's awake when they come home at night, you know, or their wife that's asleep, you know, uh, and somebody they can trust that can really work them through and, and push them to that next level. Right, and that, that coaching can make a huge difference in, in either setting up businesses or when people are running their business and have got nobody to talk to. You know, yeah, and someone to give us just a great sounding board and someone that can help get the focus. And that's one of the things that we realized when we wrote these books and the four-step process right. that you, you are juggling so many balls. It's so difficult to sit down and get nothing but focus. And that's one of the things that we uh, right. focused on. Summarize that for me. What did we discuss today and what do we need to take into well, we talked about, yeah, we really talked about what it takes for this scratch. And I initially talked about seven different steps or pieces, pieces people needed to make sure they had uh, a good, viable business to grow from. Uh, putting together a business plan, a short business plan, is, is that will help you answer all of your questions. And if you had to take away two areas within that is, knowing that you have a distinct and noticeable competitive advantage. And then the other is that you have a cost-effective way to reach and attract your target customers. Uh, if you can, you can put your arms around those two things, then you've basically covered most everything you need. Uh, you know, you're, and so if anybody wants to know more about it, what should they do? Well, they can go, go to your website. To, yes, they go to the website. Go to the Small www.thesmallbizbizco.com. So T H E small S M A L L biz B I Z co C O dot com. Excellent. Or if what? you from any catch that, you come to my website and I'll sure. pass it on today. My website is uh, QLCAT stands for Quantum Leap Catalyst. QLCAT dot com. If you want to write to me. Email me. It's terry at qlcat.com. I just want to tell everybody that this will be my last show in the series. Um, I'll, be, I'll be taking a break for a while from now on, and uh, I'll come back at a later stage. But uh, I'm, we're taking a break after this. This will be the last show in the, in, in the series. We've been running now for 27 weeks altogether. We started, at, I think, in the last week of October, I think it was. And uh, it's been a very, very profitable experience um, from, and I'm talking about emotionally profitable, and 
very, very exciting for me and uh, for I know for a lot of the people that were involved in the show as well. So I just want to emphasize uh, once again what, what I do, what, uh, what, how I can be of service or help to you. Um, I call myself the Quantum Leap Catalyst. That's the name of the show. And then, in fact, that's what I do. I assist people to make leaps in their lives or in their businesses to help them to achieve goals or results that they never, ever thought were possible before. Obviously, it's not for everybody. Um, there's a starting point, and uh, people can achieve some goals and then maybe move on to quantum leaps after that. But to find out more about that, go to my website, qlcat.com, Keep in touch with me. Another very important thing, all these shows, all the 27 shows that we've done, including this one in a few hours, will be on the player that comes off my website. You just have to go to the website, click on Listen to Terry, and on demand, all the shows are available, and uh, you can pick and choose whenever you want, whichever part you want as well. That's the way to go about it, off the website. So I've had a lot of fun working with you, and I want to thank you again, Dave, very much for being my last guest. Well, I, I feel honored. <laughs> this, this, this is so. This is so cool. I'm going to be sad. What am I going to do Monday morning? <laughs> That's kind of you, Dave. Thank you very much, um, folks, and thank you very much for the support you've given me. There, there are over thirteen thousand people that have been involved in this process uh, over the last twenty-seven weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. And I feel very privileged to have had the opportunity. Goodbye, everybody. See you again soon.